Welcome to the Cryptomaniacs Podcast. Join Taskmaster 4450 and John G. Olson each and every week as they dive into the crazy world of cryptocurrency. If you are new to crypto or you've been through a few bear markets in the past, this podcast is for you. It's time to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we're back. We're back. We're back for another Cryptomaniacs podcast. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend. Uh, we have a special guest, but before we do the introductions and all the, the fun stuff and high fives and all that stuff, we got to make sure Taskmaster, his weekend was okay. I know he was really busy doing exactly what, sir? I made some videos. I posted on Hive. I did some commenting. I did some upvoting and curating. Uh, I, I mean, when you have no life and no friends, I mean, it, it gets rather simple. Well, and, and well, you know, when you only do dishes or eat off paper plates and, you know, shower with your clothes on, I mean, you can really streamline things when you don't have a family. I mean, it's, it's, uh, although I did have to call my dad. He, he, he had a birthday. So we, we talked to my dad, you know, that's always good to do. He's getting up there in years and we'll, we'll be 80 next year if God willing, he, he makes it. So, uh, nice. Yep. Yep. Nice. So he's getting up there in years and start his, his generation is starting to die off. He lost a sister and his brother-in-law. And then my mom lost a couple siblings. So until we figure out immortality, that's usually the end game. We all end up dead. Yeah. So we're all going through all this shit for nothing. Ah, up ah. In the end. So, there's the cryptomaniac philosophy of the week. Life sucks and then you die. <laughs> that was basically it, right? I mean, like, <clears throat> we're doing all this stuff. We're building all this stuff. Nah, you're dust. Damn. Yeah. You know, well, John, you 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 have you have youth that you that that came from 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 your gene pool that you you and your uh, significant others have created, and you go through all those years clothing them and feeding them and teaching them and they get to adulthood then they don't even call you you know it's like yeah they ignore you like you don't yeah. exist maybe yeah. call you on father's day or send you a tie yeah. or something when they need when they need 20 bucks right when that's usually money. when i hear from my oldest kid you know like, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. it's yeah oh well that's okay. It's okay. Now that we've depressed everyone, I guess we should uh, welcome back uh, Steve, aka Disregard Fiat. Uh, his third appearance here, and the first thing I asked him when he when he jumped on cam with us earlier, I was like, "Did you get your badge?" And he's like, "Yeah, I did." So uh, we're giving out badges, folks. Uh, that's what I've been doing the past week. So all of the guests of Cryptomaniacs have been getting some badges. But anyways, uh, the, the mind uh, behind Deluxe and so many other projects. Welcome back, sir. I uh, hope you're having a fantastic day. It is fantastic. It's finally not raining again. <laughs> are Are you complaining about like like Southern California weather or something here, man? Or like no? Or I'm, I'm in further south than that. Yeah, I'm in Brazil. <laughs> oh, you're in Brazil. I thought you were in like LA. I guess that's I'm no. From, Mark, Mark's I'm in LA. Cali Mark Giles yeah. is in LA. Oh, yeah, from oh, well, there. Then. Okay, well, Brazil raining, I guess, is not a big shock, right? 
now. Brazil. It would be shocking if you see snow here. That's crazy. It's shocking to see snow where I am. John, is it shocking to see snow where you are? Not a, not at all, dude. I live in the I live in the tundra, bro. Like I mean, you know, if if it's if it's above freezing, it's a little bit of a miracle. So, anyways, yeah. So there you go. You learn something new. I, I had no idea. Have you were you down there since we've been? Yeah, doing shows. You've been down there. Is that really? Yeah, cool? that's why last time he was on, like wrapping up Tim Fall to try to get the internet. I mean, he was just. Yeah. Yeah, I just celebrated my two-year anniversary of being outside of the States. The day Tom Hanks got COVID, I was just like, next day flight, let's go. <laughs> nice. Well, you learn something new every day. So what What brought, I, I guess we'll do a little uh, history lesson before we dive into it. What What? What was the decision Brazil? Uh, yeah, why Brazil? Yeah. Well, first it was Ecuador, and I stayed there until the day my visa expired. And then I came to Brazil because it was the country that at the time was open and I just flew over here. I, I still have never taken a COVID test, but I've been in like three countries in the last two years. <laughs> nice. Nice. COVID skipper. I love it. It's the yeah. way to do it. Yeah. So and it, in general, it's been okay here. There's, there's like a few nightclubs you can't go to unless you're vaccinated, but like you can, you can do pretty much anything you want here with just a mask, like an Uber or whatever. So uh, have you become flu fluent in Portuguese now? or like, Do you it... follow Portuguese agora? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I guess. Is that the... Of standard? course. He, you know what he just asked, John? He the probably first... said something. Well, he said something about Portuguese. I mean, the, I heard the first, that. The, fir the first thing you always need to learn is where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, uh, I took du the Duolingo course, uh, Portuguese for Spanish speakers, the week before I got here. So mm. when I arrived here, I could read everything, but I could not understand people to save my life. Mm. But maybe a month or two after that, I could understand people. And it was the same way. Like, it, even though I knew what I was saying, people were like, what, what was that? Because, yeah, <laughs> I, I knew like, wow. like, for instance, an R... Like Rio, everybody says Rio, but here they pronounce it Heo. And if wow. you're not listening or you're not aware that that's what you should be hearing, it's like, what? What, what was this? So it's a, it was a learning curve, but yeah, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm over that hump now. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Ah, oh, you learn something new every day. See, task. That's why we do these shows to learn. As for me, I have enough problems still with English, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah, I I speak Canadian, whatever that is. A I is guess that French and English? French French and English together, yeah. Would you like some poutine, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I like the French fries with the gravy, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at that. Poutine, did you just refer to the cummy token? Oh my gosh, dude! Really? It's like, what are we? Seven minutes in, you've already gone there. Like, oh, you you're the one who give... brought up Putang. No, not Putang, <laughs> man. Poutine, man. Damn, your mind out of the gutter. Hey, I don't speak French. I sounds like Putang to me, with especially with your funny accent. <laughs> Should we get wow. on with the show now? I don't know. This is totally a Fortunately, there's no place to go but up from here. Hey, guess, uh, let, let, let's get serious. Uh, Steve, I, I 
see, it seems like there was a big transition uh, in the last 90 days, 60 days with uh, Speak Network. And everybody knows they're heavily uh, or heavily focused, I should say, uh, on uh, what tells the blockchain? Uh, I'm Peer Place. Peer Place. Peer Place. Thank you. Peer Place. But there were some issues, and there's a token airdrop coming up in five days, and there was a transformation. Do you care to uh, delve into some of that? Uh, sure. I, I think, uh, like, I don't, I don't want to speak too much on all of their stuff, but I'll share at least what I believe is public knowledge. So, okay. Dan That's fair stalkers, don't don't kill me. Uh, <laughs> over over the holiday, the Peer Plays team. Uh, were unable to keep their blockchain running yeah and so the comfort level with going with the the peer place for the claim drop was low um i know that they asked around but i'm usually in their meetings just to um, provide some support see what i can do for them and when they they mentioned that they were wanting to use like binance to to do the claim drop i was like we can just do it on deluxe so that everybody that has a claim doesn't have to go find extra keys and uh, jump through extra hoops. So it should be mm -hmm. as easy as clicking uh, a Hive Signer link or easier than playing like a game of uh, Splinterlands or something like that to, to do the claim drop. Um, and this is relying on some of the software that I've been working on for the past several months called Honeycomb, which is like, it, it's what Deluxe runs on, the, the software that I have for that. But um, Kind of like a bring your own. So like Hive Engine, for instance, if you want, you can build your own tokens on there and you pay them money and they host it on their system. So their system just increases in size. But Honeycomb is supposed to be like, if you want your own token, you just get your own hardware and run it and it should be a lot cheaper. And it doesn't balloon everybody else's infrastructure while they're at it. So so basically, if, if let's say John and I wanted to create a, a, a Maniac token, we would come to and, and use honeycomb but we would have to set up the infrastructure and the, the basically we would have to set up the nodes is that correct is that how it works or will we piggyback off somebody else um yeah you could set up the nodes um so for the speak claim chain for instance it was started with a one milla larynx so i dropped one milla larynx in my account and from there everything else just goes like it should. So I claim my the larynx that I have, and I use that for collateral so that we can collateralize uh, a DEX, like a, a real DEX, not, not like an atomic swap DEX. Um, and anybody else who has claim balance from the January 6th claim drop can go in, they can claim theirs, they can put it into their node. So it's it's just a expanding network from that one initial thing, which I'll probably end up burning just to make it all fair. Now, when you say people go in and claim, the claim drop hasn't taken place yet, has it? Not not really. I mean, it is possible to go and claim your tokens right now, but the, the official opening date is the day that we're setting up for the, the DEX to start. So um, for in, for the interest of the network being stable and everything on the opening day where we open up the decks for everybody, you can go and claim right now. So mm. like from March 1st, especially if you have a, a, a node that you want to run 
or if you just want to get a head start on having tokens in your account for some reason, uh, as long as there's no more problems, we're not going to be rewinding the chain again. And it, it doesn't really affect anything because it's like, well, you got your March airdrop. And on the 20th, when we have our go live party, uh, we'll show everybody what a claim looks like, how to see your balance, what you can do with your balance at that point, which is just send or transfer. And we'll run through a DEX trade and why things work the way they work. Now, when the, the idea of the Larynx token is it's a miner. Will that be through Honeycomb or, or and, and you may not either know this or, or you probably know, but you may not be at liberty to answer. But will that, that always be running? Will that be running on Honeycomb or is it going to transition? Uh, can, can you answer that? I, uh, I mean, at this time, we're not entirely sure, but I believe we're going to be running it on Honeycomb. Oh, okay. And yeah, the, the miner token is a miner token. You kind of use, uh, instead of paying for energy on like a Bitcoin miner, you're going yeah. to be paying for the miner token and the token will allow you to provide services for the network in order to get your governance tokens and... And will the speak token also be on Honeycomb? I guess they would have to be tied together because if if the larynx is run on Honeycomb, then the 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 token it creates has to be there too. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so that's not entirely true that they have to be together because we we do have several pieces of software out there that allow us to move coins across networks just like oh, wrapped, that's true, yeah. wrapped assets but yeah in general right now the plan is to put them all in one place and use honeycomb to do that now honeycomb is a very fascinating name and you said you've been working on this the last few months and it's been probably, I don't know, five, six months since you were here last, and you had a lot of architecture and, and, and structure in place uh, for, 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 your, um, for, for your VR and, and different things in that arena. What does Honeycomb bring to the table for Deluxe? Uh, really, it, it's decentralization for our network like we were decentralized before but the way that we were decentralized is because it was so fantastically new and that there's no smart contracts on hive um the user experience wasn't what we wanted so we had a really cool way to do atomic swaps to get um like a like you didn't have to wrap coins and put them on a different chain in order to provide an interface but with our atomic swaps you could only do atomic swaps. So if somebody wanted to sell 10,000 of something and somebody wanted to buy one, you couldn't um, like pitch it into that bucket. So now we're running a, a, a decentralized order book, like a centralized order book, I should say, that's run by all of the node operators in, in the system. So when I picture like Honeycomb, that interesting name, I think Hive, where all the bees you put your honey and bees live in a honeycomb. So they're all talking together. They're building their value and working, working more or less identical copies of the, the centralized decks. So uh, am I following you correctly? So we have, let's say, speak networking. Let's say there's, I don't know, 
25 nodes on Speak okay. Network. People populate the Speak Network with the, the Larynx token. Uh, you know, those node operators populate with the, the Larynx token. And, and that form that group forms the exchange, the DEX. Now, if John and I, we set up uh, uh, the, the Maniac Network uh, and we get 25 nodes, we would, those 25 nodes or 30 nodes, whatever, would it power another DEX? So there's like each deck, each each project has its own DEX. Is, is, am I understanding that properly? Yes. And so how would we go from the Maniac token to the Speak token? Would that be possible? Through Hive. So you trade your Maniac token for Hive. And then, I mean, just like on Hive Engine, you do the same thing. You, you okay. trade your token for the swap token and then swap token for the other project. Okay, but in this case, gotcha. you cut out that intermediary and it goes straight to Hive. So you're, in this case, you pay your fees on the DEX and not when you're trading into and out of the ecosystem. So in some ways, it might be cheaper. In some ways, it might be more expensive. But at the same time, it's, it is what it is. Well, but as you said, there's no honeypot. It's truly decentralized. It, it's, it's every project, you could say, is its own entity. And... Mm -hmm. The success of Maniac is not going to directly impact Speak or vice versa. And the success of both of them is not going to really empower Deluxe other than the fact that that's the front end that it goes through, which is in your software, that type of things. But it, it's, not a, it's not a centralized platform that everything's being built on. Right. Am I following correctly? A absolutely. But, I mean, it, it does impact because the more people that want to use the Speak Network, that means more people are going to have yeah. Hive keys, which means more people are going to be showing my network and, and whatnot. And that's so why it, I said it, direct, because obviously if somebody signs up with a Splinterlands account, that can help CTP. If they mm -hmm. take the Splinterland, the, the Hive account, and they do some research and they see CTP and they log on to, to that website or use that app. So... Okay, I, I, I see what you're saying. So the, the, the real key here is you are building a true decentralized platform, uh, protocol actually probably is a better, more accurate term, truly decentralized that uses Hive accounts as the account management system. So it taps into Hive's account management system and it uses Hive as the 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 uh, the pair of, right. of any tokens created. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's also possible to make other dexes. Like, if you wanted to make a Monero bridge, you could do that through this software. And if you wanted to think about it like that, that's the only way it could work anyway, because there's no smart contracts on the base layer. So, if you want to build something, you either have to give it to a centralized service or build something on a decentralized service. Okay, so there, there's there's no smart contract capability native to the the base code, but that could be built on top. Right. And, and did was there smart contracts involved in the creation of these tokens? Like you know, you you look at like the Ethereum, all all the EVMs that they're all tied into that. Which of course we know the EVMs have smart contracts built in. That's one of the things that. 
Ethereum did put it at the base layer. Um, how are the tokens created? Is there a smart contract somewhere or is it just the protocol itself handles it? Um, so they're not like global smart con. So like on, on Ethereum, you run your Ethereum code and that code allows you to put additional code in that people can run. But at this, at, at the, the idea is every single person who's running the Ethereum network is going to operate all of the same code in all, with all of the same inputs to get the exact same output. And it works almost the same on this network. So instead of having software be able to put new smart contract code between the network, you run software that already has that code. So if you run your Cryptomaniacs um, system and you wanted to have a smart contract, you might be able to set up an EVM, so that virtual machine that runs whatever code you want in there. But in general, right now, they're not virtual machines. They're like, you run the code, the code has the smart contracts. So when I make um, the Larynx claim drop, there's a smart contract in there that's shared that says, this is how you make your claim. This is what happens when the claim happens. Um, so it's just instructions on how to modify the database that's shared between the, the people who are running that code. So yes, but no, but yes. <laughs> and, and obviously, so so then if we had a maniac network, we wouldn't have necessarily the same code as speak network. So like you just said, all that code in the smart, the smart contract, uh, all that code for the claim drop, we wouldn't have access to that unless we wanted to do a claim drop similar to them. So we'd have different code. So each of these networks effectively has their own different code based upon what they design and what they need. Right. I mean, a lot of that can be duplicated. So Honeycomb is really like all of the code that can be duplicated. So like a proof of brain system or sending tokens between accounts or the DEX, all of that code is what Honeycomb is. And then when you have a, a, a land cell or you want to build NFTs that are specific to you guys, you might build or modify the code that's in that code base to build your system. So, and you mentioned NFTs. We we got some NFTs uh, also by I forget whether it was uh, Ragnarok or Speak, but either way, they they early in the early in the year there was a, a, a I guess rewards. What was maybe for High Fest or something? They put together uh, um, you know some NFTs. Obviously the. Now, is that part of Honeycomb? Because that was available before Honeycomb. Did you like just take old code and incorporate it into Honeycomb? Or is that a, a different piece of coding? The NFTs that the bees are built on is part of Honeycomb. So it's just a configuration part. You just say, like, I want NFTs. Yes. And now whatever network you put up has NFTs. And that it's also cool because, um, you know, like there's a Hive.js code base that you can always talk to Hive, and then just switch your API. And if you switch your API, now you're talking to Deathwing instead of a Hive blog. But the same thing should work from this because that code base is so similar that the API node should be able to say like, hey, you're talking to the Speak Network right now, or hey, you're talking to Deluxe right now. And you might not even have to change websites to talk to the different token architectures. It should be pretty close to the same. Can I ask a question about the 
idiot approach to NFTs. This is this is you know again when I when I speak, you got to remember it's like the equivalent of a grade two person coming into the technical aspects of it. Uh, but a big chunk of people that are really fascinated with NFTs, how they work, they don't have a PhD in computer science. They just want to press up a couple of buttons and an NFT is created. Will Honeycomb, first of all, will it have the capability of like literally, I want to create NFTs, press a button. And I know you guys did kind of like that, that the the thing with the uh, the hive uh, personalities that uh, Lord Butterfly did. Do we have that capability now that we can just press a button and say, okay, we can, we want to NFT something, boom, it's out there, or will it be coming for Honeycomb? Not quite out yet, but yes. So, uh, so there, there are people smarter than you, obviously, and those people know how to code and do stuff that you want as a consumer. And so one of the cool things about Deluxe is it's not just for VR. And I've said a lot of times that we have the ability to put, uh, apps onto our code base just like vr and those d apps that anybody wants to create can just as easily be the code that builds an nft so maybe um taskmaster you're a lot smarter you go in there and you're like i want to build i i don't just want to build nfts but i want to make a platform so people can build nfts and i want to get paid for it and you can just write in your code and say like all right drag and drop your pictures in here and bundle up that whatever those NFTs are for people that you have in your mind. And now anybody would be able to say, like watch your video on three speak and say, okay, I'm going to follow this guy, drop my pictures in here, push the button, pay the fee. And now maybe you get 10% of the royalties or whatever, because you put that application out there and it's, it, it should be, if there's somebody smart enough to do it, then we can make it available for anybody using the architecture that's in place. Yeah. I, I think John, strikes up a very uh, good point that one of the things that we need with, I think we need with tokens and also with, well, NFTs are tokens, but uh, with, with all of this, whether it's just fungible tokens or NFTs, is we need it to be very simple and very inexpensive to, to, to spin up. And like you mentioned, and, and not to rip on Hive Engine because they provide a wonderful service, but they charge for their services. They, they, they use it as a profit center. It's a business. And, you know, you want to operate on their system. They, they, they paid for the development. They're, they're going to recoup that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a rather uh, significant, it can be a rather significant investment to get going on there, depending on what you want to do with your tokens and, and what you want to create. Now, it sounds like with Honeycomb, you, you, you've gotten the inexpensive part down. <laughs> the ease of use isn't there. So I get if I'm understanding you correctly in response to John's question, that onus is upon some entrepreneur, some innovator who takes a look at this and says, Okay, I can create a front end that ties into Honeycomb <clears throat> where, you know, me or John can just walk in with our idiot thumbs and press a few buttons and pay pay a, a minor fee and we're good to go. I, I, are we understanding you properly? Right. Like, I, I, I put that out there to say that anybody can put that software out right now on, on the systems that I've already created. But it's, it's on my to-do list. I just have a 
pretty long to-do list. <laughs> so, so in other words, you're saying if somebody builds it first, you'll cross it off your list. If not, you'll get to it sooner or later. Right. Somebody's going to build this, even if it's you at some point. Even if it's me. It's even usually it, me. <laughs> even if it's you. Well, but but the more the more that Deluxe becomes known, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm trying to understand this in the framework of, of what I already have as reference points, which a lot of it's Hive Engine, a lot of it's now my my playing around with uh, Cub Finance, so I'm getting, you know, EVM knowledge a little bit and, you know, some of that. And trying to see how this incorporates with, with all that. And it seems that you are looking at providing to Hive, even though you're not Hive, it's it's a it's a different chain, but you're trying to provide the basic framework or the basic uh infrastructure, if probably a better word, the infrastructure, so people can then come in and build on top of it. Just like Leo Finance built on Hive and CTP built on Hive and Hive Engine actually built on Hive. And so we just have another avenue where people can come and build on this. And it is tied to Hive because of the account management system. It is tied to Hive because of the Hive token. And ultimately, I presume the HBD will be incorporated in there since that's a, a base layer token. And then ultimately, you're saying... I'm going to presume if EVM can be incorporated into these dApps, Hive Engine can be incorporated into these dApps. Am, am I correct in that presumption? Oh yeah, absolutely. Any, any like the the dApps can do anything already. So if they can sign a custom JSON transaction, if they can build a transaction for a uh, Ethereum wallet, then you already have the cross platform there. And even then. So like when you said like they're using the account management system for Hive, that that is true. But when I think of Hive as a backbone for a crypto architecture, I think of it mostly as a clock. As so a what? A clock, an ordering service. Um, so like your computer, it has to know what time to run anything and it uses a clock. So each three seconds, you have a new block that comes out. And each one of those blocks has a new transaction. So even if I want to build like a Monero or a Bitcoin service, I still have to have a clock to base that on. So it's a lot easier to use one, like just pick the clock. Because like right now, if I want to use my clock, my clock hasn't changed. But because you're in the States and probably not in Arizona, your clock changed. So you, you get uh, a lot of agreement based on that that service that you're using as well so like uh if we incorporate ceramic accounts which allows anybody to sign a transaction with any basically any crypto wallet that's available we would be able to move those transactions into a honeycomb system and still rely on the hive clock even if there's no hive accounts in the the what we're doing this this is I mean, John may be well aware of this, but this is new to me. Um, so you're saying Hive and the three-second block time is actually your timing mechanism for what you're creating. Instead of using a regular clock that says it's 115, because it's not 115, 
where I, it, it's 115 now. A week ago, it wasn't 115. It was whichever way we went. It was 1215. Um, right. So you're saying that that just screws everything up. So your timing mechanism is actually based upon every new block that Hive creates. That is the interval and the timing mechanism because you know right now they're at block five million six hundred fifty thousand whatever and then in three seconds it's that number plus one then after that it's that number yeah. plus and like blocks do get skipped but at the end of the day it's it's not that big of a deal if a block gets skipped and you're off by a minute or two the only thing that matters is that those blocks happened in that order so like Bitcoin, for instance, it has the 10 minute block time, but sometimes those blocks happen in 10 seconds. Sometimes mm -hmm. they happen in 20 minutes. And even then, like if you look at the block header, that person could theoretically have put any any number of time in there and people would be like, okay. So it's really hard to say like, when when does an order expire? When when does an auction end? When, when does this kind of stuff happen? Gotcha. So Hive is really important for all of this. Uh, so you get accounts, you get transactions, you get a clock. And when dealing with other networks like Monero or Bitcoin, those things are still important as well. So so basically, for you, you said for transactions. So <clears throat> like um, on a, uh, tipi in a typical brokerage account, let's say, you can put in an order that expires end of day. And so based upon whatever clock they're using, uh, whether it's, you know, the end of business day of the market, let's say 4, 4 p.m. Eastern time, or maybe it's midnight. I don't know when the hell these, these things expire, but there's some type of clocking mechanism that says, okay, we've reached the end of day, that order expired. You're saying with this, if we put in an end of day, the system knows the end of day is reached when block whatever number is hit so three three seconds times whatever that works out to be is when that block will be hit now it may be a minute before maybe a minute after like you said because blocks get skipped or whatever the case may be but it's close enough for government work as they say it's in the ballpark so if if i want my order to expire at let's say 10 o'clock it may be 1001 it may be well, it would probably move up. So it might be, you know, 9.59, but it's in the range. It's not going to be three days later like you might get with Bitcoin. Right. So like for Honeycomb, all of the orders on the decks are in hour intervals. So that means like there's a thing in there that says, all right, in 1,200 blocks, this order will expire or whatever multiple of 1,200 blocks that is. Gotcha. That's interesting. John, you knew this. Why didn't you ever? Explain oh yeah, dude, it? I was I was so on top of it, man. I knew exactly. Like I'm just looking at you know the flashing lights everywhere. Like so. So what makes it appealing uh, as compared because the three seconds is so consistent? Like you said, Bitcoin can can fluctuate to whatever. So can Ethereum. I mean, they can go re through very quickly. It can take a long time. Um, is this a difference? Let me ask it this way: Is this a difference between proof of work and proof of stake? Um, yeah, proof of the, the delegated proof of stake system like EOS and these where they every minute you get a new uh, queue of who's going to do which block and that voting mechanism keeps everything on time in order. You don't have to 
do much more than just say, oh, I missed, missed a block here and, and cover that out. But yeah, the system here works phenomenally well as like a, a timekeeping service. And not only that, because you have that timekeeping service, you can use things like resource credits and say like, all right, my resource credits charge in five days. So I know that if I make a transaction every five minutes, exactly how much resource or like high power I need in my account in order to keep using the system. I don't have to say like, oh, what are gas fees right now? What's the network <laughs> load? Uh, what happens if my gas runs out? Is my network going to die and stuff like that? You're saying as as an application, as as a developer. Yeah, as a developer, I I know like when things are going to happen. I know how much things are going to cost. It's I don't have to be there. I can go on vacation, for instance, and the software will still be running when I get back if I don't recharge my gas. Now, now, what what out of Deluxe actually do does do the transactions custom JSON or, or not necessarily? I mean, is there any integration into Hive in terms of, like you said, resource credits? I, I guess, obviously, you would need resource credits to, to move the Hive back and forth and to swap it and all that other stuff. Uh, and so that those transactions go on chain. But is there any other stuff like we know uh, Splinterlands is, you know, off chain, but it uses custom JSONs for certain data that it, it puts on chain. Is is Honeycomb putting certain stuff in JSONs and, and mm -hmm. posting it to chain? Or is that up to Speak Network, Maniac Network, ABC Network, and whatever they design where they may want to put stuff on chain that others don't? There's, there's two main automatic transactions that happen on chain. One, or I guess there's three. Um, one is the custom JSONs that everybody signs. So all of these networks are just, how do you manage a database? How do you make sure that this database looks exactly the same as this database? So for Honeycomb, every five minutes, they sign or hash their transactions into IPFS and they post that little hash. So it's like 50 characters long and it's unique. So if everybody- that, that, That's posted to Hive? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, okay. so now, so my account, and your account are running nodes, those accounts automatically post that transaction to Hive. And now my node can see your node and it says your hash number was five. My hash number was five. And now consensus is five. So if new person like uh, John wants to go in there and says, all right, I want to run a node, they get that last transaction hash that was five. They look at IPFS and it says like, here are the list of transactions and now you have the same database as us. And now, if you put out six, you put out six, and I put out four, my node will know, hey, I better go with six because that's what consensus is. So we actually determine consensus based on what's posted to Hive. And going in IPFS is every single transaction. So every transaction gets a hash rate, correct? Um, or, not, or is it every five minutes just? Every five that? minutes. So all of the transactions look like... Um, there's usually like say 20, at least 20 to a hundred transactions in that five minute block. And those transactions are obviously also including like counting. So like you posted five and you posted five, there'll be a transaction in the database that says, I updated your list that says five and I updated your list that says five. So those are all things that happen in the, the consensus database. And those are things that get 
put to IPFS so that we can say like, all right, the database should read high for both of these blocks that you put up. So um, each five minute will have all the transactions contained in there. So everything is public transparent, but you're, and then only that hash rate is put on Hive. So you're, you're putting one, tra one hash rate on Hive for 20 to 100 transactions. Um, that yeah, theor theoretically, the, the number could be as high as it wants because you, yeah. you can put an entire movie on IPFS every five minutes, um, but you can't really do that if I was saying like managing every transaction individually. So the number of transactions that the chain takes is the number of nodes that go on the network times five minutes. And if there's DEX transactions and stuff, obviously those have to get signed, but that only comes out of one account, not every node. Okay, gotcha. So, so Deluxe or Honeycomb part of Deluxe is heavily incorporated into Hive, even though it's not directly built on Hive. It, you're using a lot of the features of of Hive, and and Hive is ultimately uh, your yeah. Your it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work without Hive. Uh, just just the resource credits. Uh, the way we manage consensus, the that we use account update transfers, and like everything gets an anchor, and everything's anchored to Hive, and the balance that is stored in that decentralized account, or the multi-signature account that we're collectively controlling. Now, is it fair to say that the resource credits are allow what is what allows this to be taking place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if if it was say what's another cheap chain like xlm is a really cheap chain but if i had the same model set up you have like uh how much would the credits cost it would, it would cost like 10 cents every five minutes per account and i'm not saying that's super expensive or even going to be more expensive than bitcoin but that's still a cost that i have to like continuously put into the system so if i'm i'm running you know basket weaver coin enthusiasts or whatever where there's not a lot of money in there uh, it costs the same to run that network as it would cost to run like a banking network same with the bitcoin transaction if i want to move yeah uh, a mill of bitcoin or ten thousand bitcoins it should cost about the same transaction fee so yeah but if if your system is automatically integrating with the network but you're gone for a week and all of a sudden it blows through the $300 or whatever you had in the account and it's empty. All of a sudden everything freezes up. Your, your, your app is not working or your, your, your network's not working. Mm -hmm. This is very interesting because we've had Brian of London on a couple of times who, who did pod ping. And uh, he, he, he basically is using hive in a similar fashion where he sends you know, a bunch of URLs as podcast update. And he's often said the only reason he can do that is he put in, you know, I don't know what he bought of a few hundred dollars worth of Hive or whatever it is, powered it up. And that gives him enough resource credits because he's only just putting in, I think he's just firing over custom. Yeah, he's firing over custom JSON. So it's very inexpensive. And he's doing like 4,000 a day. And you know, on Ethereum, that would cost them like millions of dollars a month just to, to, to do that. And like you said, even on like an XLM, it, it's very inexpensive, but 10 cents a, 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 a pop, even a penny a pop, if you're doing 4000 a day, I mean, that's 40 bucks. That's 
what, 1200 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's recurring. So with this, um, like the, the nodes that are running the speed claim chain, um, we think we can get them on $5 a month for their actual hardware. And then they just delegate whatever accounts running their hardware on 100 high power. And that's that's it. So less than a than an Ethereum transaction, and you can still run it for years. Yeah, and, and the hundred high power, you still own. <laughs> so. Yeah, you, you still own it. You can delegate it if you don't like. There's no way to lose it if you're because you can delegate it here as well. Well, but if if you're putting it in the node. Right, you don't get to use it anywhere else. But if if for yeah. some reason somebody hacked your node and they took your keys or whatever happens there, you can just be like, "All right, I get my thing back. You're out five dollars max." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's so so. Basically, what it would be doing is I would be delegating a hundred high power to whatever account I set up for that node, and that hundred high power is there for the resource credits. Mm-hmm. And it gets me 2.88% a year in, in the adjustment for inflation. And I mean, I guess I'm going in a circle here. My point is this, this stands out. I mean, this is like you said, and, and Brian, you're just reaffirming what Brian of London said. He couldn't do this anywhere else. It sounds like you really feasibly, I mean, you could do it elsewhere, but the fees would end up, being such a detriment uh, to, to not only the profit margin that, okay, you could do it. And if there were highly successful projects on there, fine, people would incur the cost. But like you said, if, if you had the basket weaving network that had three people involved in it and not a lot of transactions, you feasibly couldn't do this. Right. But with I mean, you, could, you could do this on, on EOS and, and other DPoS chains as well, but it really the amount of accounts here, the 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 system here is really set up nice. And I I can't imagine working anywhere else just because of the way that things are working here. Like EOS does have some aspects that are really nice, but at the same time it's it's not much different than Hive. It's not different enough for me to say like, oh I'm gonna redesign my system for EOS. It's it's just not worth it. Well and and Hive or EOS also has the problem of, of RAM. You know that. Yeah, means- yeah. You you buy RAM, but at the same time, like the RAM is basically just high power. So oh, okay. you always it- have that system system network. Resource okay, credit. so they just they just called it something different. I, I'm not real familiar with the so EOS runs like high. Yeah, close enough that it's basically the same thing to me. Hmm. Slightly faster. Without, I have uh, no experience in that either. Like with, with, that without mean? block one, though. Although you know, <laughs> may not have block one much longer. Who knows what the hell's going on there? Like Wax, for instance, is is run off of an EOS fork. So, like, you could definitely build good stuff with their software, especially if you want to build on the base layer. But it's kind of expensive to run. I think their uh, their nodes cost a whole lot more to run than than Hive nodes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the big use case I think of, you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of hype behind it, but the only use case I think of is wax, but that's that's a fork of it. Um, 
and it's obviously very successful. But the, the one thing that they have, that's kind of what I mentioned about me being an idiot and like the single button pressing capabilities. That's what Wax has. Wax has that capability that if you want to create an NFT, it's like, hey, idiot, all you got to do is press one button. Ta-da. You know, and I mean, that that is attractive to a lot of people that are getting into this stuff. But um, but that's that's a that's an application, isn't it, John? In, yeah, it's, in a, it's a web app. I've I've looked at their mm. system, of course, because uh, like we we were we wonder like what kind of market features do we need to bring NFTs to market. So I did a little bit of research and I I see their their system, um, that and a whole bunch of other things. So I, I try to make my system as um, user friendly as possible. So like if you want to think Microsoft Excel, like you can use it for literally any kind of account management. It doesn't have like sixty four million records or whatever, but as long as it's somewhere in the neighborhood that can be handled by it, you can put whatever you want in there. And, and right. so that's, that's what this one is. And if you want to build it to where there's certain use cases like wax has, we can, we can build that. And so that, that one button thing is just a developer away from being created or some more of my time away from being. created. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, it, it, the developer is going to do it. It's just a question of, is it another developer or, the one who's on this show. Right. And we know it's not me or John, so process of elimination should <laughs> narrow it down for anybody who's watching. Well, well, I ask this too, because like, uh, you know, like me and my business partner have been talking about it for years. Like we want to throw NFTs into, you know, a bunch of stuff that we're doing. It's just, you know, I guess you need some kind of secret handshake to, to do them on something like NFT showroom. Like, you know, you need to know the the president or something to get in there, to get approved. Uh, we've always been looking for a solution, a uh, way to do it. And obviously, we're not going to EOS. We're not going to WAX. We're not going to, we're hive, ride, or die. So we've always wanted to keep it here, just waiting for some way that we can implement it. Because we've got all these ideas we want to do. It's just the ability to. You know, and obviously he's a developer. He can he knows the code and et cetera, et cetera. But the easier it is, you know, the better it is for us at least. But it's just something we're always talking about. So. Sounds like to me, although he doesn't have any more time than Steve. But sounds like to me, might have had found the alternate to Steve to develop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. make him do it. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. have Blaine spin up a front end. Yeah. Is, is that all that's really required is, is spinning up a front end for it? And then obviously there's some integration at the back end and stuff like that. No, not even that. Um, if you can build a, a form and an HTML page, then you can probably build this. Like just I can do that. Don't even have to, to put like it on a website because Deluxe hosts these application contents for free. Oh, really? So, wow. so basically... If Blaine did went out and built that, it would be accessed through Deluxe.io. Mm -hmm. Or any mirrors of that software. Yeah, well. Which all, which all ties into Hive. Like you need to you link it to the Hive account to use it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you, mm -hmm. you access your, your Deluxe through Deluxe Hive. Deluxe through Hive, yeah. yeah. So in this case, since the Sorry. everything would be controlled by like a, what's that called? Hive keychain? So mm -hmm. the software would be able to talk to Hive Keychain and whatever web app that you build to make NFTs would basically just have to be enough to say like, this is um, going to build a transaction that somebody can just click sign on their Hive Keychain. 
So if you're logged into Deluxe, you already have that. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to get Blaine to. Uh... Yeah, not that he's busy yeah. enough, right? But but it, it John, it does show that Hive has this capability. I mean, Steve's built it, it or built the infrastructure to build this, and through Deluxe.io, there's not even a front end to build. It's just go throw it on there and then incorporate it into what you guys are, are building. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I'll have to beg him. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably end up at one point or another. At one point or another, I'll probably have a video because there, there's people on my Discord all the time that are like, uh, hey, we need to build this or that. And yeah, it's 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 getting pushed up my to-do list for sure. And when I do do it, I'll put it on uh, a video so other people can copy it and make it better. Because that's the goal. I want to do less as time goes on, not more. <laughs> Well, and, th and that's the advantage of open source is you put something out there and then somebody else can add it. And then, like you said, once uh, once uh, those different nodes incorporated, it, it's that feature is just added in and it just keeps growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the idea. It would be really nice if uh, you know, the world right now is just people trying to hold on to their power. And the more we can decentralize and open source everything the the smoother this transition will be hopefully now i don't know if this has anything to do with anything but we've talked a lot on here especially since we just had block trades a few weeks ago uh about half does that do anything for your system or it's not really a big deal because you're tying into the blockchain anyway and you know what you're doing there and it, the developers who come to to Honeycomb, that's what they're integrating with. And the, what happens with Hive is really of no concern to them. Half. Um, it, it has features that Deluxe doesn't have, um, especially things that make things work a little bit faster in terms of feedback, because I rely on the last irreversible block, but Half has the... Uh, what they call it, like microfork healing processes mm -hmm. in there. So you can get your feedback in like your three to six seconds. And then if something changes in there, the database will change as well. Uh, we have ways to manage that, but they're not as, um, how do you say, friendly. They, like, they cost more uh, on our system. Can, can um, you tap into half? I, I would be able to tap into half. I just... I haven't needed to uh, other than that. So when I, I see the benefits, I see it would be really, especially if you're not building like a decentralized system. Um, <clears throat> so for instance, like if you want to build a Hive SQL or another service that relies on indexing Hive data, half is great. Half, you could set it up. And as far as I know, there's not like a, a consensus mechanism in there. Um, so you can put whatever you want in there. So if you wanted to track the number of posts that mention weasels, you can just <laughs> set up Hive and say like, all right, which posts mention weasels and your half will be able to spit that out for you. Um, and you could set the same thing up with Deluxe, but does that need to have consensus or do you just want to run a half instance to, to keep gotcha. your weasel index? So it comes back to that decentralization versus 
something more centralized and what are you creating? What are your needs? What, 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 what's your end goal? Right. And so if, if you wanted to build like a, a DEX using the software that I've put up and make it better, I'm sure there's ways that we can utilize half in there as well. Cause like, like just working through the software, I found that my software is not as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> so I've been fixing a whole lot of stuff in there in the meantime. And a lot of that's not just like the software that I work with. It's like, um, like Hive.js skips blocks sometimes or whatnot. I'm like, these things I was not aware of. But at the end of the day, I have a healing mechanism for it. They have a healing mechanism for it. And it was just like a matter of finding a problem and fixing it. So if somebody came along and they wanted to build Honeycomb now using half, I think it would, those two things would mesh very well. But they they just do different enough things. Um, so in general, the software that I set up doesn't build databases to keep forever. It builds um, like a focus point. So like for instance, on Hive, you have a proof of brain system. And after all of the votes get counted on a proof of brain system, you can still go back five years ago and click on my post and see everybody who voted on it. But uh, if you use the same proof of system, proof of brain system in Deluxe, if I go back a year and look at a post, I'll just see the payout because I don't care about who voted it now. I don't care about keeping that information. So I, my goal is to keep the nodes as slim as possible, as cheap as possible, and not necessarily be like a source of information in the future. Like if I want that information, I can just go back and replay it. But do I need to? Yeah, and like you said, if somebody really wants that information, go go look at the high blockchain itself and find it yourself. I mean, it's no need to, to pull it up on, on your system there. Um, sounds like you're building resiliency from the ground up. You're 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 looking at making this attack proof by decentralizing yeah. and distributing everything and and open open sourcing it so that um, anybody can you know. But what do they say? The whack-a-mole, where if 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 somebody wants to build something, uh, you know, or or take what you built, I mean, twenty people can do it, and if one goes and gets whacked, well, there's nineteen others who who have it. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, if like God forbid I die or something, I don't want any of my software to stop. So it's always been like that. I don't want to hold your keys. I don't want your keys. I don't want to know anything about your keys. And I, I don't even want my sock because um, like the definition of security is making a promise. And if you make a decentralized system like this, you're not making, I, I could just leave the network altogether. I can never put another block onto the blockchain, but the software should continue to run. So I don't make any promises. I'm not saying like, I'm going to run my node forever. I'm not saying I'm going to code on it forever. The software's open source. There's no promises as is software. You can go there, you can mine the, the change all you want. There, there's just not a security. There's no promises made, but at the same time, it should be resilient enough that anybody can trust it. I presume Honeycomb's taken up a big part of your time, but uh, have you done anything with the VR aspect of things and the framework there, or is that kind of back burner while you've been focusing on more 
pressing pressing issues? <laughs> um, I was like, even though I've I've programmed a whole lot of the VR type stuff, like it, it, I can't say it's my brainchild. It's always been Mark saying like, "Hey, this would be cool," or "This would be cool," and how do I do this? And then I go and feed my hamster some lettuce, and a few weeks later, I say, "Oh, this is how we can do this." So. Like even if a lot of the VR stuff has come out of like my fingertips, it it still isn't my brainchild. It's uh it's been mostly Mark. Mark's been real busy with uh, Hollywood type things. Um, at, in the same time, like the VR system's pretty much done. Like you can already go on there, and like I said, if you wanted to build an NFT minting service, push a button, you can build it there, and there's nothing stopping you. Same thing if you want to build. Ready Player One, you can go there and do that right now. Um, so it, it's just a matter of, at this point, the system's built. Anything that is additional is just like an open source goodie. So yes, it would be cool if we had like better avatars or some kind of protocol or um, like schemas for different data sources and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we, we just haven't had enough interest in that to make that my primary focus. But yeah, the system's there. If any if anybody wants to develop VR, do whatever they want, it's all there. It's feature complete, pretty much. A lot of good stuff going on. So, uh, John, what what's the peanut gallery saying? Anything? Uh no, no, we've been uh, pretty quiet on the peanut gallery. We uh, it's uh, the timing of this is very interesting. Uh, Hive decides to do Hive chat. The exact same time that we do these. They fluctuate. They have their time zones that all the time. It's different, but we always seem to hit on Twitter the same time they're doing these. It's very strange. Well, and we, we tend to also have Leo Finance right around the same time, maybe within an hour of us, too. Oh, yeah. Leo Finance mm -hmm. is doing their AMA right now as well. Yeah, they do it roughly an hour before we start. Yeah, we should probably. Yeah. What What's your next focus? <laughs> what What What's the next uh, goodie that you're going to uh, tackle? I mean, is it just more <clears throat> more honeycomb stuff, or is that basically you're you're getting close to being done with that? Other than you know monitoring, tinkering, you know, adding, and then you got another big big idea, or wh where do you go over the next three to six months? Uh, let's see. Yeah, honeycomb's. For the most part, it's it's pretty set. Um, it's been running pretty smooth. Yeah, for the most part, it's ready to go. You can start building on it. And like you said, there's tinkering or things might not work exactly right. But it's it's so far, it hasn't been more than like changing a line or two of code where I missed some edge case. Um, the next few months, I believe, are going to be me trying to adapt honeycomb to handle the speak network and uh what like, what do you I, think if you can reveal what what do you think that will entail to handle the speak network you, you mean all the token transactions and stuff like that is that what you're saying or is there other aspects in, in this i mean the hardest parts of the speak white paper to accomplish are not network based it's all reputation based so so like if if you wanted to set up a, a speak cdn node 
or an IPFS node, there's going to be like proving that you have actually put that soft or the, the video, for instance, in your IPFS node or that you've actually provided it through your, your CDN. <clears throat> and then um, what kind of feedback or proof of brain system, proof of access system are we going to use there? And I mean, Voltec, excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, Voltec's been doing a whole lot of this work as well, so I don't have to worry about most of it. So for the next several months, I just see myself working on honeycomb-based projects that aren't necessarily deluxe. Um, so Speak, maybe Ragnarok, um, probably doing deluxe, helping people build NFTs. Um, but yeah, just anything like that that hopefully brings users to these ecosystems. Maybe you'll get a few DMs and a conversation going with a, a, a Blaine Jones. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh, may, maybe uh, Mr. Olson can coax him into uh, taking a, a serious look at this. Because it, it sounds like to me you've designed something that Hive has needed. It, it's like you took a look at the uh, took a look at the market and said, okay, here's a hole that I can fill. Yeah, it's, it's usually been just like uh, things that I wanted and things that weren't available here, things that cost too much money. I'm like, all right, I think I can do this. How much how much elbow grease do I have to spare? How much elbow grease versus how much money do I have to spend if I don't do this? Yeah. Well, it, it, it all comes down to costs. And, and you know, I my view of all of this is that we, we – have to keep pushing the cost of these things down. That's that's the digital evolution. Stuff gets less expensive over time. He, you know, even if you go to the basic premise of okay, we can argue, you know, the preciseness of it, but Moore's law is driving the cost down of, of processing. You know, it may not be what it was ten years ago, but it still is going down somewhat. Uh, same with storage. Same with communication. Same with you know uh, all of that. And our speeds go up. So. Uh, the idea of not being able to continually push the cost of these systems down, I think, is counter counterproductive. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes I wonder if I had more money, it would I have built any of this stuff or just used things that were existing. And at the end of the day, this stuff exists mostly because I was poor. <laughs> Well, whatever the motivation, it, it's the motivation's the motivation. But uh, you know, I mean, we look at stuff like uh, Open Office. Yeah, you can go spend, you know, whatever it is, 120 bucks on a Microsoft Office, or you can just download Open Office, which may not give you everything Microsoft Office does, but for 90% of us, it it covers what we need, and it saves 120 bucks. Yeah. I use all of that. Like I run Linux on my computer. I I don't like to pay for software. I don't I don't think most people do. So that's yeah, that's where my head's at. I, I think uh we can get and the cheaper it is, the more people can use it. So for instance in Brazil here it costs a whole lot of money because they have almost hundred percent import taxes on luxury goods, which includes includes computers. But that also includes like software and stuff. So like how how do you get a poor person here to improve their life if a computer already costs twice as much as it costs in the states and it's 
it's got to be by keeping everything else as cheap as possible. And I'm not saying that there's not cheap computers here because you can actually get like a $200 computer down here just fine. But if you want to get a MacBook, it's going to cost what, like 4000 instead of 2000 It's not even, yeah. Wow. You don't see those down here very often. <laughs> well, and, and it then that also feeds into the spreading of, of the ecosystem because the more people can tap into it and and at least get a, a jump start on their development where, I mean, you know as well, you know a lot better than I do, it's a lot easier to take X number of lines of code and start adapting it to what you need than starting from scratch and saying, okay, I got to put the first line down here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like our, our VR builder, if somebody hadn't built like a VR manipulator to start with, there's no way I would have been like, all right, I'm sitting down here and I'm going to code all this. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you, so, yeah. You guys yeah. you guys love copy paste. Uh, everybody loves copy paste. Don't let anybody <laughs> tell you they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's it, it sounds like great things coming from, from Deluxe with Honeycomb and hopefully uh, do you have uh, do you have a lot of inquiries from different developers? Obviously you're involved heavily with with Speak, uh, Valtech, what he's doing, you're you're staying abreast of, of what he he's he's up to. Do you have other developers who are associated with Hive or Hive projects that have come to you and, and said you know, what, what can you do? Or will Blaine be the second one? Oh, no, there's, there's definitely a few that like we have, like, oh, let me, let me count right now. I think there's 30 node operators on our speed claim chain. And for the most part, these people are at least savvy enough to run a Linux box or SSH in. So they've probably done some coding and, but there's still people in there who haven't. Um, I lost your, and that's that's been kind of interesting. So we, we have software that's simple enough that people who don't know how to SSH into a terminal or in through their terminal have still been able to use SSH and get into a Linux box and set up the software with, with only minimal questions. So I know they exist, and I, I know that that's how low the barrier to entry has been pushed is – like, do you have a Hive keychain? Okay, then you can probably do this. John and I are going to spend the next week conversing, and a week from now, we still won't know what the hell SSH means, let alone how to 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 do what you just said you do. But that's okay. We it means uh, secure shell. Um, if you've ever seen a DOS prompt. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you, you type command and run. It, it's the same thing, except using those commands on other people's computers or servers somewhere. See, John. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, dude, this is, this is why there, I like. There, the there's, there, there's probably a reason why that list of node operators, you don't see me and John on there. <laughs> but. I think I think Voltech put out a video or a, a post that took step by step. You put out a, a post on on Honeycomb, so uh, you know yeah, that, like that that's the thing. Forty five minutes. You can yeah, do if it. you can dummy proof it and say, okay, for you people who don't know what any of this means, here's step one. 
this is what you do. You go to this website and you sign up for this service and it costs you, you know, 10 bucks a month for this level server. Step two, you press this button, go in here, type in this. Step three, you, you know, you, you take that through for people. It's a pain in the ass, but then people say, okay, I'll support this. Yeah. You know, it costs me a few bucks a month and, you know, I can figure it out or walk through. I mean, John just has the advantage playing to set this up and plane goes and does it in three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what we want. We want to eventually have it to where you can do all of these things. Like, like Google has gone a long way towards getting like in the past, if you wanted to look up something, you had to go to a library you had to know what to look up, where to look it up. Did your library even have it? And we've, we've come so far in the last even 30 years, like, we're going to get so much further so quickly, especially now that we have AI doing all of our big data queries. That 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 got me into the, the next section. I, I want to finish up with this. Uh, I like having people like you on because you, you're not only techie, you're you're kind of like a technologist, a futurist. You you, you look out and, and you step back from the code and look at the bigger picture. We had a, a nice conversation in the past about some of this stuff. And obviously uh, being around Mark with the VR, I would presume feeds into this since that's constantly talked about in, in terms of the potential. But some of the broad scale stuff that you see out there since we last talked, like you mentioned AI and, and VR and, and what, what, what do you see in the next couple of years as uh, some of the interesting uh, points where you see some technologies going that you say, you know what? That's going to be really freaking cool in a couple of years when we get there. What 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 excites you if you look at the broad spectrum of really cool shit that they're rolling out? Ooh, I mean, recently there hasn't been much that excites me more than just there's stuff that scares me, and it <laughs> seems <laughs> it seems like everybody's just uh, in a race toward the bottom. Like DuckDuckGo said, that they're censoring yeah. their search results now, so you have uh much more i mean we're we're at the point now where DuckDuckGo can say we're censoring our search and there's two more search engines there right right now and they're like hey we're ready to go and that's that's what's exciting to me is just how far we've come there so like before if google were to say this like how long did it take before or between google says like hey we suck and DuckDuckGo appears it was like a year maybe before we had a, a different option and now it's like or more. a day. Yeah, and now it's I like mean, a day and we have two options. So the speed that we're able to cope with the loss of freedom of speech. So like, if I, if I wanna say like Russia freaking sucks, um, there, there's people in Russia just holding up blank signs and getting arrested because like protesting isn't allowed. And that's that's like any kind. They, they don't want you in their square with a sign, even if it's blank, because it looks like you're protesting. They, they just don't want that. So how do you get that information out? How do you decentralize this? How do you even put up what you want to say? Even if, even if you want to support Russia, like you aren't even able to do that in Russia. <laughs> so like the world is getting crazy. And I think that the light that I see right now, the thing that excites me is just how far we've come to getting um, the next step. So if, if somebody wants to turn something off, 
like the internet in Ukraine. Elon Musk was there the next day. He's like, hey, you guys got satellite internet. That's that's exciting to me. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, evidently they're, they're, I read on one of the Bitcoin maxi sites, uh, mesh networks are being set up to, to work around uh, some of this stuff. Uh, especially, I guess, in, in Russia, they're, they're trying to work around it, some, some uh, people. How, how far, and, and they, this pulls up an interesting point, and it, it strikes at the core what I talk about a lot and what I believe is we have this system of governance. We, we have these governance. I don't care what structure you, 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 you look at. It's, it's a, a system of governance that was created in the physical world. You know, we have everything's based on geography, invisible lines in the sand, and where you were born, you know, really determines a lot in your lot in life. And if you were born on this side of the line, these are the laws you operate under. And if you're on the other side of the line, you're under different laws. And no matter what governance system you look at or government, uh, no matter what party, no matter what set of politicians or bureaucrats, they all have the same goal, which is more power, more surveillance. My opinion, it's less freedom. And so that's one side of the equation. Then the other side of the equation, the counter to that. And by the way, these people have more powerful tools than they ever had before. But the counter to that is the developers who also have more powerful tools than they ever had before. And there's a lot more developers than there were 30 years ago or 20 years ago when you had Google. And it's like, okay, Google sucks. Who's going to create the next Google? And it's like, well, we got about four people to pick from, and none of them are advanced enough to create an alternative to Google. Now you got kids in Bangladesh who are on a laptop uh, coding all kinds of stuff. And there's all kinds of open source software. There's all kinds of infrastructure. There's all kinds of this in place. So it seems like we have the governments and the governance system that we have in place and the developers and there's a race on and the more tyranny that what i perceive is tyranny that is laid down the more the developers become more important and there's a segment of them who say fuck you because they're whatever they're anarchists they're anti-establishment they're anti-control they're whatever they are but they say okay you're going to do that you just gave me the roadmap to, to to develop around you want to put this law and say you can't do this okay i'll just i'll just change it enough that i'll build right around you and you can't do squat do you see the same type of situation arising is, yeah. is that how you read it <laughs> yeah um yeah at the end of the day like if you're in the cartel in Mexico, you're under their the cartel's power. You're not under Mexico's power. And the more that things get decentralized, like if I can build insulin or make insulin in my kitchen, is there going to be a pharmaceutical company? If I can, I mean, I could already make meth in my bathtub, but the idea is like. <laughs> you might not want to say that publicly unless you're saying well, I researched it from a scientific perspective. I watched Breaking Bad. Um, no. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm not cooking meth in my bathtub. But the idea is, like, no matter where you go, like, I want a government to provide me physical security in wherever I am. So if I'm in the States, I don't want the police officers harassing me and stealing more money than criminals do, like they do right now. I want them to say, like, hey, get off that guy with a baseball bat. 
I don't want them to say like, hey, pay me 52% of your taxes and stuff like that. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's going to be a mafia. But how much are we willing to live under that? If we separate the money from their system, they have less control. We separate the information from their system, they have less control. And I mean, that's that's happening really quick. So like... I, I guess my question is, and obviously you're biased, but uh, I'm going to presume you believe the developers will win in this art, in this situation. Do, do you? Yeah. <laughs> you're not real confident. I mean, there, there's like... There's battles and there's wars. Uh, if, if you lose 98% of your people, did, did you win? I mean, yeah, you could have won, but at, at what cost, I guess, is the, the same. So, well, like, you're losing 100%, or the, the re- 2% remaining live in, in tyranny. How, how close are we to to the, the flipping point, if I can use that term, where the crossover point where, like you said, things are happening very quickly. Uh, we see the technology that there's enough basis out there that, you know, people can start to pick up stuff and create amazing stuff in a very, very short period of time, especially in the digital realm. Are we there or are we very close there where it's like, you know, there's enough stuff out there that whatever needs to be coded uh, can be created very quickly? Yeah, I think I think we're we we are there in terms of the technology. Are we there in terms of the people? And right now, it's 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 the infowars thing. There's a war for your mind, and that's what the wars are right now. So you have countries like, I mean, Russia and Ukraine. Neither have freedom of the press. Um, so you have a system where you have the United States sanctioning Russia, and Russia is getting in bed with India and China to go around the US dollar. So you're already seeing that decentralization take place, even if it's right there. And now there might not be a lot of people who are like, hey, there's two monetary systems right now and both of those control the the world's nuclear arsenal. So it's gonna get more and more spaced out as people, that shock to the system, the shock to your, your mental state comes faster and faster. Like. I just think that's the accelerating factor. We're there technologically. We're, in, we're not there mentally. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. But I would also say in the last few years, we've moved forward because in the United States and observing here, a, a number of years ago, those who didn't believe the press were the coups. The really radicals, the right wingers, the anarchists, the conspiracy theorists, all that shit. And now you have a lot of people, and I, I'm not going to say it's the majority, but you have a lot of people, a lot more. It's over the tipping point for sure. That's like the, the cascade is happening. These people are lying and they're not telling the truth. Uh, I think everybody and anybody who pays any amount of attention, whether it's come from it doesn't matter where it's come from, but they know YouTube, Facebook, Twitter is censoring all over the place. You know, whether you're a flat earther, whether you're an anti-vaxxer, whether you're a cryptocurrency advocate, um, you know, hell, maybe they'll they'll censor Tom Brady lovers next, um, which John would be upset about. But, you know, you just don't know where they're going to go uh, with with it. it. And 
this is waking people up. So then the question is, where where do they go? What do they do? Because I think the DuckDuckGo thing caught a lot of people off guard because DuckDuckGo was the anti-establishment alternative. It's like, wait a second, you guys are anti-Google. You don't save our shit. Wait, okay, we like you because <laughs> you're not Google. And now it's like, well, wait a they second. Were now you're like, like Google. They were they were they're owned by Google. They got bought oh. out like a, a year and a half ago. Oh, did they? Well, I used so it was just it was just it was just a matter of time, and yeah. like they probably have been censoring their search results for longer than people have like known about it. But well, now, but I, I use D search anyway, so I really don't care about DuckDuckGo. But they, see, there there's a prime example where everybody thought it was the alternative, and it was just another branch of of Google, effectively. Uh, but there is pre search out there, or D search, whatever they call it. I guess pre search. That's an alternative. It's it's it may not be as great as Google. I mean, I know Google is at the top for a reason. They probably have more data and more processing power than everybody else combined. But there are alternatives. And like you said, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's other stuff that's spun up in the last few days. But it seems like spinning up an application or spinning up a, an alternative these days is a lot easier than it used to be. Way easier. Yeah, th these are definitely things that make me hopeful. And you're right. Like, the world has changed phenomenally. And uh, it's going to get better. Yeah. It's just a matter of how bad it gets. Well, and blockchain is, and, and crypto is providing a, a solution for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if there was no Bitcoin, the world would be in the dumpster. <laughs> Well, yeah, because look at what it's sprung. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Bitcoin, my problem with the maxis is Bitcoin is very limited in use. It's very good at what it does. And probably at the top of its attributes is security. I mean, you can't fault the security. And quite frankly, if I was going to send a billion dollars somewhere, Bitcoin is probably the, the network to use. Um but some of these other problems, Bitcoin, because it's old technology and it's just basically a glorified Excel spreadsheet, it's a ledger. Uh, it just handles transactions of data back and forth from one wallet to the next, which it does exceptionally well. It may probably, but we don't know for certain, may keep that store of value and then provide a unit of collateralization at some point. But it doesn't handle the freedom of speech very well. But Hive does, you know, uh, Ethereum, even though it's it's probably too decentralized for, for the scope of this conversation, there's things that Ethereum does very well. There's applications that are being built that address other issues. So what sprung out of Bitcoin is really just this entire ecosystem where the tentacles are starting to go further and further. And now we're involved in communication, freedom of speech, freedom of information. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess you can tie IPFS in there because IPFS is being tied into these applications like Speak and some of these other things that are being built where IPFS was there. But before this, how much was it utilized? I mean, no. not very, yeah. not very much. But now... You get speak and all of a sudden you get all these videos that are being stored on IPFS, which is, you know, a global data storage system. And it's like, oh, wow. That yeah. is a big deal. It's not global. It's interplanetary. Interplanetary. 
What like, planet are you on where you're using IPFS? You can access, you can access IPFS if you were on Mars. Who the hell's on Mars? I'm just saying. Don't you need somebody there for it to I'm, be in a planetary? I'm just saying. How do you know it can be accessed from Mars if nobody's I'm on Mars just accessing saying. it? It's not global. It's interplanetary. Yeah. But yeah, like like just like you said, uh, YouTube kicked RT off their network, and RT still can publish on Hive even if they don't get monetized. I mean, that's that's free enough for me. Yeah, yeah uh, although uh, without speak, are the videos actually safe? Because videos on Hive are stored on a centralized server, so that entity might have to adhere to the regulations and remove the videos. I mean, RT should be able to host their own videos because they have their own infrastructure. Oh, okay. But they can still post them here. I don't have to worry about different things. I, I, I like that. I like that the blockchain can handle that. I also like that the blockchain is not paying them because I know people are out there saying like, nope, they don't, they don't get money. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's just Russia talking. But I don't like not having the option to listen. Yeah, poor Max Kaiser's been quiet lately. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't made too many headlines, Mr. Bitcoin Maxi. So it, it's interesting. It, it will be interesting to see where all this uh, flows. I, I agree with you. I think the more decentralized, and I don't believe that decentralization's a destination. Everybody says, are we decentralized? It's a direction. It's a process. It's It's a... It's a, a focal point and how can we decentralize, distribute and open source and each day wake up and say, OK, how can we move each of these areas forward a little bit? And on Hive with the proof of brain, people say, oh, Hive centralized with with the tokens. Well, each day more wallets get a little bit more Hive in it. Uh, and if it's powered up, you know, that pushes the, the, the ball ahead a, a little bit. And every time we get somebody in a different country or another person in a different country with even a few hive, well, that's a few hive in a different country that we didn't have before. And, uh, you know, each time you throw up more code and, and another application or another piece to, to Honeycomb, it's just more decentralized software, open source software, not decentralized, open source software out there that somebody can pick up and run with. And yeah, I want to say that it's not just software, like a, a Tesla solar roof right now, and you're not paying extra for gas prices. You're, there's a lot of networks that can be decentralized, and a lot of people are now there. We're, we're to that point where you can get less reliant on things that are further away from you. Yeah, I mean, you can look in food production, you can look in energy, absolutely. Uh, obviously, being a cryptocurrency, we're looking at the financial system, uh, banking system. Those are two we're, we're targeting. Uh, ultimately, shopping can be decentralized. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, insulin. There are people out there looking at decentralizing medicine, if that's the proper term, health, you know, mm -hmm. healthcare. Um, all of that. So uh, I, I think that's ultimately where we have to keep keep looking at. And, 
you know, the fact that a lot of this stuff can be done digitally, that accelerates everything. I always say <laughs> atoms move a lot quicker than, or uh, bits move a lot quicker than atoms. And you can, you can manipulate bits a lot easier than you can manipulate atoms. Mm -hmm. So, John, you got any words of wisdom or any questions or any insight or... I, I just I would like to just highlight the fact that I knew that it was interplanetary and more than global. That's like the highlight for me. And, 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 and you knew and let's I know honest. what IPFS stands for. Like, yeah. You, know. <laughs> you you knew what SSH meant. You just didn't want to tell me and make me look bad, did you? You didn't no. want to make me look bad. I, I just I feel really smart right now. So this is like, you know. I feel like I'm winning at something. I don't know. Did what you it text is. Blaine yet and tell him? No, that? not yet. I'm gonna. I'll tell him to watch this replay. I'll be like, "Hey, man, listen to what he said. We can do it with a form and HTML. Like, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, hell, I can do that. Um, yes, task. I actually do know. Uh, hey, HTML. man, you're the technical expert on this show. You you do all the, the the uploading and the editing and the you do the the, the badges. So I mean, you know, it doesn't surprise yes. me that you can do a form in HTML. I don't even know what the hell that means. And I've done years without sir. knowing what it means. So you know that or being potty trained. I got the potty training down. That was probably the priority in life. Uh, this is we've sandwiched a really good like session with with you and I totally being clowns, and then right in the middle of it was a really good disregard fiat talk. But I'm glad that we got to to book bookend it here, you know, with the, with seven minutes of jokes at the start and a couple minutes of us clowning around <laughs> at the end too. It's it it keeps people on their toes. It's important. Well, John, you got to be honest. If we don't do that, all this technical stuff makes our head explode. I it's it's the one thing about Delux I'm very appreciative of. It's it's easy. I can figure it out. Um, I log in. That's the thing. What I like about Hive is as much as people say like, oh, it's frustrating. It's all these keys, all this and that. Once you get it, and you can log into certain places with your username, you can poke around. You can't break things. Um, and that's what's that's what's good. Um, so whenever you get that programmer or developer that will uh, make it uh, one button simplicity or, you know, you having to dive into it and create it yourself, I will be I'm still a raving fan, but I will be a raving fan even more. So. Well, I, I, the, the nice thing, I, what I've always appreciated about you, Steve, what you do with Deluxe, you are one of the developers who understands ease of use. And that, that I think still as the industry is holding us back is it still is a many layers, very technical. And with keys and stuff, as John was saying, there will be a degree of it. Uh, but, you know, I think back to the early days of the Internet and that was a pain in the ass to do most things. Uh, but you got entrepreneurs in there who are developers and said, listen, we got to make this easier. They came out with stuff that made it very easy google.com i don't need to know how a web search works i just need to know how to type in a word into google.com and say search and that's really what you've done i mean uh the the uh the nfts on deluxe very easy very simple to to, yeah. to get and uh wasn't highly complicated and that's important 
No, thanks. Uh, glad it's appreciated. And yeah, I, I, I wish I could claim all the credit, but Mark's usually there saying like, this isn't easy enough. <laughs> so it, it's nice to have that feedback as well. Well, just just hit John and I up and have us look yeah. at something. And we'll, you... <laughs> we, we will certainly give you feedback saying, nope, still too damn complicated. Yeah, I, I, am, I, am, I am the tester of all idiot proofing. Yeah. Still too mm. technical. Three buttons? Uh, that was actually a marketing campaign years ago. Um, we decided to call things John proofed. Uh, and if you John proofed something that was actually, you, uh, you got away with, uh, creating something that no one could screw up. So it's like those IMAT commercials with Jeff Goldblum and he's just like, there's no step three. (laughs) It's like listeners, there's two, two arrows, one up, one down, one in blue, one in red. I can't get confused. You'd be surprised. <laughs> uh dude, uh always awesome having you on and uh appreciate it. And um, you know, we learned something new. You're in Brazil, even though Tass knew that. I didn't know that. So um <laughs> I, you know. I I don't know if I, I knew he was in South America. I didn't I wasn't quite sure what country. That's I'll, I'll, I'll be moving around. I don't like to stay in one place. Right. I only have a backpack. <laughs> Travel life, backpack and a laptop, and you're good to go, huh? A life. My life. Yeah. <sighs> thanks again, man. Appreciate you. And um, uh, yeah, everyone listening in, thanks for tuning in. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Cryptomaniacs podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to hanging out with you again next week. 